Acts chapter 8, Matthew chapter 5. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 8, excuse me, Acts chapter 8, Matthew chapter 5. Acts 8, Matthew 5. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about something with me tonight, if you would, something that I've said multiple times, but ho- something that I hope you'll remember. Our purpose on this earth is to bring glory to God. That's it. That's all I want you to think about tonight. Our purpose on earth is to bring glory to God. How many of you would agree with that? Okay. We've got a few good people here. We're good to go. We're all on the same page. Good. Okay. Now I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 14. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Here it is. Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the very simple way to describe this, and the Bible gives it to us, if we're going to glorify God to the best of our ability, we need to let our light shine. Ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I love driving through the country and being able to see the lights from London from a long way away. You can see just that light up. But if you magnify that and put that on top of a hill even higher than it already is, you cannot hide that city. It will be lit up in the night sky. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. He says, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. We sing... Hide it under a bushel? No. That's where this song comes from. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. And then we also say, don't let Satan blow it out. Don't let Satan squelch your light. Don't let him take it away from you. Allow that light to keep burning. That is a physical representation of how we can glorify God. Our life, the purpose of our life on this earth is to bring glory to God. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing to let that light shine? What are you doing to let that light shine? You say, well, I'm a Christian. Doesn't it automatically shine? To some degree. To some degree. But I think often if you just leave a light, especially a candle, you just leave it, after a while it burns out. After a while, it becomes a little bit less than it used to be, or it it begins to flicker a little bit, depending on what's going on. And so what are you doing to allow your light to shine? What are you doing to point people to Christ? A shining light does something. It it, it illuminates. It, it, It provides light for weary travelers or for somebody who needs to see what's going on around. What are you doing to provide that light? 
What are you doing to glorify God? What are you doing? Acts chapter 8, if you will. We read this passage last week. I want to read it for you again and draw something else out of it. The Bible says this in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. I'd like to preach for you a message that I've entitled this evening, Point Them to Christ. Point them to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we even have to to preach this message, to have something to point to. Father, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We owe you everything because of that. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you so much for dying on the cross and allowing us to have an eternal home in heaven. But Father, tonight, would you help us to point people to you? Would you help us to be the light that we need to be? Would you help us to glorify you as you need to be glorified? Father, we pray and we'll give you the honor and the glory for that, for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Point them to Christ. If we are to glorify God, what, what, how is it best that we glorify God? Well, I believe there's a myriad of different ways. I believe how we act is how we glorify God. How we praise His name is how we glorify God. How we sing songs about His grace and His mercy and, and His faithfulness and all of the things, I think those all glorify God. But I think, I believe this with all my heart, that Jesus wanted to glorify God in that he would do whatever his Lord asked him to do. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So listen, it doesn't matter what we want to do. It doesn't matter what we decide that we think we can do to glorify God. How about we just do what God asks us to do to glorify Him? How about we just live our lives the way that God would want us to and glorify Him in that sense? And I believe one of those ways, and we call it the Great Commission, was to point people to Christ. And I think in everything that we do, we ought to be pointing people to Christ. If we're praising his name, we ought to be pointing people to Christ. If we're, we're thanking him for whatever he's done for us, we ought to be pointing people to Christ. If we're living our lives according to the way that God wants us to live, then I believe we will be pointing people to Christ. So I want to give you three keys to pointing people to Christ. Number one, very simply, is there is opportunity. There is opportunity. You think, oh, okay. What does that have to do with pointing people to Christ? Well, I think sometimes we get this feeling or this sense that there is no one out there that wants to see Christianity. I think we get this idea that society is so bad, that society is terrible, and they don't even want Christianity. They don't want to see Christianity. They don't want to know Christianity. And by all means, they don't want to know about the God that created Christianity. They, don't, they want to push him aside. I met a guy this week that said that he was a born-again atheist. 
I think he just knew the terms and wanted to drive us crazy. So he says, I'm I'm an atheist. I don't even believe there is a God. And we've heard so many times before that we don't want to believe there is a God because we don't want to have to answer to a God. And so we, we push these things aside and say, listen, we get this feeling that, hey, people don't even want to know. People don't even understand. People don't even want to care about God. Sometimes we get the feeling that there's no one out there who even wants to know about Christ. Can I tell you this? It's not about want. It's not about whether they want it or not. It's whether they need it or not. Hear that. It's not about want. It's about whether they need it. Now let me ask you this question. Is there an opportunity out there if we view them as needing it instead of wanting it? The answer to that question is 100% yes. They don't want it, but they need it. Hear this now. The church is not limited by opportunity. The church is not limited by opportunity. We are limited by our obedience. We are not limited by our opportunity. We are limited by our obedience. Listen, there's an entire world out there. If you will, there's 35, let's give it a really good rough estimate, a 35,000 people in St. Thomas that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The opportunity is huge just in St. Thomas. The opportunity across the world, let's, let's give it a very rough figure again. There's approximately 7 billion people in the world. Let's say that there's 6 billion people that don't know Jesus Christ. I think that's, I think that's underkill. I think there's more than that. But let's say that Christians are a larger demographic than we think. Listen, 6 billion people that need to be pointed to Christ. Whether they want to or not, they need to be. So hear me, the opportunity is there. It's it's like saying about a business in the marketplace. Oh, there's just no opportunity for that type of thing. Well, if there was a six billion person market, I'm pretty sure there's an opportunity. Pretty sure there's an opportunity to raise the money that you need and to build a business and and make it very successful based upon that type of marketing strategy. And listen, that's the same thing we have. They may not want it, but they need it. They need to be appointed to Christ. So it's not about a want. It's about a need. And the church is not limited by opportunity. So the opportunity is there, but... We're limited by obedience. We're limited by obedience. You see, there's opportunity around every corner. There's always somebody that needs to be pointed to Christ. The problem is we are not obedient. We are not obedient. Hold your finger here in Acts chapter 8 and just jump back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says this. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be what? What's that word? Witnesses. 
unto who? Me, being God, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, we are to be witnesses, hear this, not to man. Do you get that? We are to be witnesses unto God. Well, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be a witness unto God? That means I'm going to be a witness of God, for God, by God. And listen, if people understand that, then great. If they don't, I'm doing what God told me to do. That's not how I was taught. I was taught that you had to get somebody saved. You must get someone saved. First of all, I don't have that power. God does. And that's not what God tells me to do. God does not say, go get people saved. God says, be a witness unto me. Be a witness unto me. So what are we witnessing? We're witnessing God. We're witnessing who God is. A Christian means little Christ. We're to be what Christ is. And that makes us a witness. And beginning to talk about what we've seen and talk about what we've done, that makes us a witness. Folks, there's opportunity around every corner. The problem is we don't obey. The problem is we don't obey. The problem is we think, oh, they don't want to hear. Put yourself in a courtroom. Do you think the defendant or the plaintiff, whatever side you want to be on, the opposite side, wants to hear your testimony? If it's against them, do you think they want to hear that? 100% they do not want to hear that. Because they know if you're speaking the truth that you have an opportunity to sway the jury. But listen, that's what needs to happen. Truth needs to be spoken. Opportunities need to be taken. We need to be in obedience and be a witness unto Christ. You still don't believe me? Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, verse 15. Another implementation of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, the Bible says, And he, being Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to those that will hear it. No, to every creature. Do you get that? And notice what he says. He just says, preach the gospel. He doesn't say win them. He just says, preach the gospel. Go, listen, opportunity is everywhere. We are not limited by opportunity. We are limited by obedience. We don't take it. Philip was in this position. Listen, there was opportunity. Whether you're in the biggest city, he was just in Samaria. He, he worked that opportunity and obeyed what God had said to him. Or you're in the desert in Gaza. And there just happens to be an Ethiopian eunuch driving his chariot through at the time. Doesn't matter where you are, there's opportunity everywhere. The question is, are you obedient to that opportunity? There are people that need Christ. There are people that need to be pointed to Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul says, I have planted. Apollos has watered, but who gave the increase? God gives the increase. My own, listen, I, my only job is to plant or water. Plant or water. Preach the gospel. Be a witness. That is my only job. It is not my job to save someone. It is not my job to even convince someone. It is my job to preach the gospel and take the opportunities. Here, are, here it is. We are not responsible to get them saved. We are responsible to be a convincing witness. It's not my, I don't have to convince them, I just have to be convincing. Does that make sense? That's different. Because when you're convincing, when you're real, when everything's true and you're excited about it, you become convincing. If I were to stand up here and teach and preach to you and be excited about something, or just stand here and go, well, it could be. Well, I don't know if the Bible's true. Well... Somebody, somebody sent me something today or this week that said something about I will not serve a homophobic God. That's going on in our world today. We don't even know who our God is. It's a, from a church. We, we, that's going on in our world today and we wonder why is our world the way it is? Because we're not taking opportunities to live and preach and point people to Christ. Whether it's good for them or not, whether they want it or not, they need it. They need it. Opportunity is everywhere. So we are not limited by our opportunity. We're limited by our obedience. We need to see every person as an opportunity. Do you see every person as an opportunity? Listen, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. This message is convicting to me. Because sometimes I see people as an opportunity to lash out in anger. An opportunity to get back at something they did to me. Sometimes I don't see people the way that Jesus Christ sees them. As a sinner dying and going to hell. Sometimes I see them as maybe frustrating. Sometimes I see them as maybe a little bit intimidating. But I need to see people, as, as every person, as an opportunity to point someone to Christ. Whether they want it or not. There is opportunity. There is opportunity if we see it. If we'll see it. Number two, there's understanding. There's opportunity. Philip had opportunity. Samaria and in the desert with the Ethiopian eunuch. There is understanding. Go to Acts chapter 8 with me. Acts chapter 8. Verse 30. The Bible says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou... What thou readest? Verse 31, and he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. 
And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Verse 34. And the Ethiopian eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? By the way, that's Isaiah 53 verses 7 and 8. If you go back and look and you see, look and the, the Ethiopian eunuch did not have understanding about this passage of Scripture. Understandest what thou readest? How can I? Except some man should guide me. And then he says there in verse 34, is this talking about the prophet or about some other man? I don't understand. He didn't understand what he was reading. And see, I would, I would beg to say that this is nothing different than what goes on in our society today. There are very few people that have understanding. I'm not talking about common sense. I'm not talking about being wise. I'm talking about understanding of the scriptures, understanding of God, understanding of what's going on in the world, understanding of why it's going on. That's what I'm talking about. Understanding. See, the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. The person who's not saved, the person who doesn't understand Jesus Christ, who doesn't understand God, doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. They're foolishness. Can you see that in our society today? And that's just crazy. How could you ever believe that? Science says that that's not true. It's foolishness to them. The Bible even continues on in that same verse and says, Neither can he know them. Those things are spiritually discerned. They're not physically discerned. I want to take you to a couple passages of Scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. I want you to know that the world does not have an understanding. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, who is it hid to? It's hidden to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So you realize that the Satan, the devil, is blinding people's minds. He's keeping them from the understanding. He's keeping them from a knowledge of Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ can't shine unto them. He's keeping that away from them so that they can't understand. He's blinding them to, to keep them away. And not only that, jump over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I want to show you something else. Ephesians 4, 17. Ephesians 4.17, the Bible says this, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Look what he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. 
Because of what? The blindness of their heart. You see, listen, the world does not understand. The world does not know. The world does not grasp anything about God. They do not understand a, th- a thing. You might be thinking, Pastor Yeomans, I thought you said there is understanding. I thought, I thought that was your point. There is understanding. Now, there is not understanding. That's what I want to challenge you with here. The understanding is not in the minds of the people that are without Christ. The understanding is in the minds of the people that have Christ. I'm going to get you to turn your Bibles a bunch. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. I want you to read these with me. The Bible says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here it is, watch. And the knowledge of the holy is what? Understanding. So the unsaved people, they don't don't have understanding. They don't have knowledge. They can't understand. They can't know God. They can't see him. They're blinded. Their understanding is darkened. So what's the point? The point is we can have that understanding. We can understand the God that people need to know. We can understand the needs that people have. We can understand. We can gain the knowledge of the holy. Do you realize that we have free access to God? Free access all the time, anywhere. It's, it's like having an online class. Anywhere there's internet, you can get this class. You can do it at home. You can do it at work. You can do it while you're on the road. You can do it whenever you want because you have free access. We have free access to God. We have free access to have the knowledge of the holy. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. Know me. Understand me. Listen, we have that opportunity to know Christ. But you know what so many of us do? Well, I'm kind of busy for that. I don't really want to know anymore. I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years. How much more can I know? You see, so often we allow things to just slide by, opportunities to slide by, and we don't realize that we could take advantage of those opportunities if we just understood. Let me, let me play something to you. What if Philip didn't understand what the Bible was saying? What if Philip didn't understand what was going on here in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 to 8? What if he didn't understand what this passage was talking about? What if he didn't understand if this was talking about the prophet or some other man? The fact of the matter is he did know. And he was able to lead this man to Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. Point him to Christ because of his understanding. Because of his understanding. 
We have that opportunity every single day, every moment of every day to learn more and to have the knowledge of the holy, which is understanding. We don't use the access. We don't try to understand him. And therefore, we not only miss out on knowing God. When we don't know Christ, we don't, we just, we don't miss out on just knowing God. We cripple ourselves. We cripple ourselves and we miss out on opportunities because we don't have the knowledge to help them. We can't go up to somebody and say, understand what's going on in the world? Do you have any questions about the Bible? Do you happen to know why we're in the state we're in? Do you happen to understand what you're reading there in the Bible? We can't do that. In fact, we shy away from it because we think, ah, I don't really have that kind of knowledge. I, I, I don't have Bible school training, so I can't. I said that to somebody this week as well. And I said, listen, my dad never had Bible school training. My dad is one of the most studied men of the Bible that I know. And I don't mean that to put anyone else down. All I'm saying is this. It doesn't take that. It takes somebody who just wants to know God, just wants to understand him, and just wants to be a part of him. And then with that knowledge is able to pass it along. So there is understanding. There is understanding if we want it. There is opportunity if we see it. And there's understanding if we want it. Number three, and finally, simply, there is Jesus. There is Jesus. Acts chapter 8, back with me. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Remember, man is asking the question, Ethiopian eunuch is asking the question, is this talking of the prophet or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture. And preached unto him what? Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said this, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see what just happened? He preaches Jesus. The man understands Jesus. He takes the opportunity, helps him understand because he understands, preaches Jesus to him, and the man is now not only acquainted with Jesus, but a child of the king. Philip teaches the Ethiopian eunuch about the person who has the power to save him. Philip points him to Christ. There's a song called, When Answers Aren't Enough. The chorus goes like this, when answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge. When answers aren't enough, he is there. It's Jesus. There are times, folks, listen, there are times when you don't have the answers. There are times when you just don't understand how to comfort somebody. There are times when you can, you just, you're dumbfounded. You don't know what to say or how to say it. You don't know, you don't understand something about it. Listen, when answers aren't enough, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. Jesus said, I will send another comforter. 
Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, the Bible says, And daily and in the temple, and in every home, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, For I am determined to know nothing, or excuse me, I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, Jesus has all the answers. Jesus has every answer. Listen, I don't want to be your answer book. Did you hear that? I don't want you to come to me and say, Pastor Yeomans, I have a question. I need to know something. You know who I want you to go to? Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth and brings all things to our remembrance. By the way, if you're thinking, oh, I guess I can't ever ask pastor any questions anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I would rather teach you how to fish than give you a fish. Because I can't be with you every single day of every, every week every hour of every day. Listen, but I know somebody who can. Jesus can be with you. And when you're talking to that person and you're spending time with him and you're taking that opportunity and you're giving him everything you understand and you just don't know what else to give him, give him Jesus. Give him Jesus. Listen, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to save you, but Jesus does. I don't know how to comfort you, but Jesus does. I don't know how to give you the information that you need, but Jesus does. The answer to life's greatest questions, we say this all the time, it's probably been said for a hundred years, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Philip just preached to him, Jesus. I'm sure, in fact I know, that the Ethiopian eunuch had questions. You know what one of his questions was? See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip says, you need to know Jesus. Hey, where did Adam and Eve come from? Listen, we'll, we can talk about that. You need to know about Jesus. Hey, creation or evolution? Yes, that's fine. Listen, you can answer all those questions. You can be apologetic. But it must lead to Jesus. Jesus is the central theme all throughout the Bible. Isaiah 53, written long before Jesus was ever on the earth, talks about Jesus. We believe Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 talks about Jesus. And he would bruise the serpent's head. It's all throughout the Bible. Jesus. When you don't know what else to tell them, tell them Jesus. Preach to them Jesus. Live like Jesus. There's an opportunity everywhere we look. We have the opportunity as well to have understanding. But we often don't take it. And so often we don't preach Jesus because we don't know him. Oh, we know of him and we are probably his children. But we don't know him. Philip, it's obvious from his life, spent time with God. Holy Spirit filled Christian. And that plays out. We see him do some amazing things. We see him do miracles and signs and wonders. And we see God take him to a desert place to meet with a chariot. Who's God going to have you meet this week? 
Who's God going to have you meet this week that you're just going to brush aside the opportunity? Who's God going to have you meet this week that you're just going to say, well, I didn't do enough study this week, so I can't actually answer your question. And you know what, to be honest with you, I don't really care. I probably won't even find out. You don't have to have the answers right away, but do this. Tell somebody that you'll find it out. Figure it out. I'll try to help you. Preach and live Jesus Christ. Do you want to glorify God with your life? Then take every opportunity that you're given. Take every opportunity to give them the understanding of Jesus Christ. Philip did. Change the Ethiopian eunuch's life. Change Simon's life in the previous passage. Whose life are you going to help change? I hope you'll take every opportunity to point people to Christ.